The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. So Gary, I want to I want to dive into um, misconceptions. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about what misconceptions do you think that are out there about millennials that you've seen mm-hmm. that over your time of building these companies mm-hmm. and bringing up mm-hmm. new leadership sure. and bringing in new employees. What are some of the misconceptions that you think baby boomers have about millennials that you can speak to? Sure, I think one is. The, the misconception is that uh, baby boomers think that millennials are all about me, uh, that it, it's not about the company. Um, what are you doing for me? How are you going to pamper me? I actually interviewed one, one gentleman who, who was coming out of college one time, and this, this one, unfortunately, may have confirmed the misconception, but he said, I said, what are you actually looking for in your, in your first job? He said, I, what I really want to do is get to a place where I can just relax. So I said, well, this may not be the place. <laughs> but, sure. but there are, the misconceptions are that they're going to jump from jobs to jobs. There mm-hmm. is no loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pampered. You know, they live in their parents' basements. And that, those are misconceptions. We have in our company some amazing millennial performers who are, have just taken the bit, put it in their mouth, and they are running. Mm-hmm. And I love to see it. For me, one of the most exciting things is to see that person who really wants to be a star mm-hmm. and then mentoring them to, to get there mm-hmm. and, and clearing the obstacles that are out of their way, all of the corporate morass that will stop people and frustrate right. them and then they'll move on. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can chart an expedited path for those people who really want it, um, I think you're onto something. Absolutely. And then you can see, and I think it's also extremely important with millennials, is who, and I think this is true in prior generations, who you promote. To whatever the position okay. is, it could be technical expertise, it could be a management role, could be anything, is because people watch what you do and they should represent that that promotion should represent to everybody else what you what you're looking for, mm-hmm. what you consider uh, a star and a role model, and then other millennials can follow. I, interesting, like last year, I would say we promoted uh, eight employees in our company into management level jobs. Every one of them were millennials. Hmm. I was very excited to see that. <laughs> And, and every one of them, if you looked back a year later, you'd say, those were great moves. Absolutely. Because those people rose up yeah. and, and achieved at that next level. Interesting. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about mindset. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'll ask you uh, one particular question that I, I think is, is important for where we are in this conversation today. How as a CEO do you control your ego? It's um, it's challenging because you you know you, you the buck stops with you right and so you know you have the ultimate responsibility if a tough decision has to be made mm-hmm. and you, if you let that go to your head um, then your ego is kind of controlling your decisions and it should never be about you it right. should be about the greater good and the cause mm-hmm. what is it why are we in business at all and how are you enabling that possibility for your people. And if you're not doing that, then you are making it about you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you, I think you have to know you're the ultimate decision maker when a decision has to be made. But you, you really want to empower the organization, and you want to have them rise up. 
Um, that's what that's where the joy comes from in management. And, and, and you mentioned empowering mm -hmm. the organization, and you talk about making tough decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, as a as a CEO, what about the decisions that become the public unpopular decisions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the things where something just went bad in the mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've been there in mm -hmm. sure. 19 companies later, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But you get the phone call, right. whether it's 3 a.m. or yeah. when you first walk into your management meeting, they right. say, um, we got a problem. Yep. And here's what it is, and right. unfortunately, this is what it means mm -hmm. for us. Right. How do you apologize as a CEO? Mm -hmm. what, what things do you do? Because I think it's, it's easy to, um, to speculate what's mm -hmm. happening in those rooms. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times as emerging millennials, they're not a, a privy to that conversation mm -hmm. of what's happening there. Mm -hmm. So kind of take us inside to that mindset because I think there's a difference in what is said publicly for the customer who right. might be impacted mm -hmm. versus the employee who has to continue to work inside of whatever just right. happened and right. going every day. Take us mm -hmm. into that world okay. when you're getting that information. Okay. Um, well, there's, there's several aspects of that situation, but the one thing that you have to rely most on is what is your most important driving core value and, and you have to be true to that. Mm -hmm. in, our, in our business, our number one value is do the right thing. And the test of do the right thing is would you tell your mother? <laughs> or what you're about to do or what you're thinking about doing, how would you feel it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal tomorrow? Right. Those Absolutely. are the two tests. Yeah. But everybody gets the would you tell your mother right. test. Right. And so you know, if you would tell your mother, it probably is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so do the right thing and do it early and don't compromise and tell the truth. and overachieve on recovery. Mm -hmm. So we focus when we have problems like that is we immediately establish a chronology, a timeline, you know, and try to get back to the root cause mm. and then try to look at the damages. You know, is this a damage to our reputation, to our clients, is it economic damage to the firm, is it damage to employees, and we try to understand that and then we evaluate what are the various ways we can solve this problem mm -hmm. immediately and then what is the best way to solve it longer term so it never happens again. So when we talk about the items and the things that you've been through. Mm -hmm. Tell us a story about keeping institutional knowledge. Why is that so important? Do you have any companies that maybe you've worked for before in the past mm -hmm. of that there's stories and things that are necessary that people should know about mm -hmm. in order to be able to continue to drive institutional knowledge being passed down mm -hmm. from sure. older right. folks in the company to the younger. I think it's very easy today to lose the institutional knowledge, the pace at which we're operating, and the fact that people maybe don't document it. But one of my greatest mentors is the former CEO of ADP, hmm. a gentleman by the name of Josh Weston, a phenomenal CEO, and he would tell us the history of ADP from 1949 to whatever day we were in as a series of coincidences. Hmm. And, and it was fascinating and how he would go from how did he as the first CEO meet the first salesperson and how did they buy their first company and how did they buy their first computer and all these things that were a, a, a just a series of coincidences that he pieced it together. And I'm sure I wasn't the only person but you know as he was retiring and I just encouraged him to make sure that story gets told and written down for future generations because it's, it's a very interesting and memorable way to understand a tremendous, you could argue, the very first great human capital management company, um, and that, that that story not get lost. Interesting, and and I think uh, from an from that institutional knowledge, it walks out in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. People retire, other folks are doing different things, where they move on to another company, mm -hmm. and it's hard to gather. 
What are some best practices that you would give to leaders right now in making sure that they are sharing that institutional knowledge and creating that really great uh, succession plan and mentorship inside mm -hmm. of their company? Well, one thing I would I encourage is uh, people to become great storytellers um, because then this stays alive. It's a little bit of um, folklore, mm -hmm. but it, it, to the extent it's true mm -hmm. and, and it gets passed on, it becomes part of your fabric of who you are. So I actually, when we interview people, especially if they're going to be in a public-facing kind of a role, mm -hmm. we ask them to tell a story. Hmm. Uh, and just to see, are they actually a very good storyteller? And we, the, the story I normally ask them to tell is tell me something you're passionate about in your life. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's a sport, a book, anything, hmm. acting. And so and we say, tell me, tell me a story about that passion. And then you can see whether somebody's a storyteller or not. And do they come alive with it? Are they truly passionate? Right. We look for passion. Hmm. And it's one of the core kind of subtle things that we kind of insist on. So I'm interested to hear about more about Viventium. Mm -hmm. This company is your baby today. Mm -hmm. You are you're growing it. You're mm -hmm. moving forward with uh, your vision. I noticed a couple of things when I saw your website. Uh, I noticed you with your helmet on. Mm -hmm. I saw mm -hmm. some of the playfulness and all mm -hmm. of the leadership uh, items. T talk to me about why that was so important that people, your customers, mm -hmm. get to see this with a software company for HR. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, one of the things we believe in, so we knew we needed to change the name of the company. Mm -hmm. So we originally acquired a great company in New York called BDB Payroll. and But it was a payroll service bureau the way you might think of other payroll service bureaus that you know pick up and delivery and keen payroll and, and, and things like that. And we had, what we acquired though was a phenomenal piece of software that we early, in an early way fell in love with. And then, but we decided what our vision was to transform from that payroll service bureau into human capital management software and services from the cloud for the medium sized employer. And what became important to us is that when we changed the name that it had some meaning. So actually, it took about six months, over 500 names that we went through to find the, to find the right name. And we went through some pretty silly names. Some, uh, we actually probably have 75 or 80 domains that we bought. Wow. Uh, and, and to try and own that. But you have to own the domain mm -hmm. and you gotta be able to register it. Because we knew we wanted US uh, Patent Trademark Office, the little R, federal registration versus a TM. This is, then you have serious intellectual property. And so we wanted to make sure that we could own the we could own the brand. And so there was one time we were kind of frustrated late at night. This was that wasn't that late at night, but my chief operating uh, marketing officer and myself were pretty the two people who really drove the renaming. We got a lot of participation from around the company. And so I just I said to her, I said, "What does it have to be about?" She goes, "It has to be about living, because that's what we do." and we want our software to be living. We want our software to be living inside of the client and inside of the employee's experience with the client. We don't want this to be some back office thing. Mm -hmm. We want our software to be so compelling that people get pulled into it. That they, if they walked by a monitor or a, 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 a phone and saw our software, they would be curious and be, would be pulled into it. So that's, that helped narrow our focus. And so we came up, we found the word Viventium. And by the way, I don't think there's any one word left in the world that you can name a company. You have to, you have to make up a name. Because uh, we tried literally hundreds, hundreds of names. But uh, so we, we actually stumbled on Viventium, which is a Latin word that means living. 
And the night before we made the announcement to our employees, my wife and I went to uh, an Italian restaurant in, in Brooklyn called uh, Antica Pesa, which is, means ancient scales. And there's, they have three locations, one in Rome, Italy, hmm. founded in 1922, the country of Qatar, and Brooklyn. I have no idea how, how they picked their locations, <laughs> but, but it is fantastic, authentic Italian food. And so as it happened, the night before we made the announcement to the employees, the, uh, we went in there, and they had just brought in a new manager from Rome, um, a, a young lady, and we got to talk to her and everything else. And I said to her, is there, you know, is there any chance you know Latin? She goes, absolutely, I know Latin. I learned it in school. I can conjugate verbs. I can structure sentences in Latin. So I said, great. Well, what does viventia mean to you? She goes, viventia means living, but not living in the way a plant lives, but living in the moment, living in the now, living with passion. And so we just knew we had it. Hmm. But we actually came up with the name before we knew that's what it really meant to her. Interesting. So uh, now that you have this company, how are you attracting millennial talent? Well, we are designing our software for millennials, as I, as I said earlier. Um, we recruit for millennials. We actually look for it. It's no, there's no age discrimination involved, but that people who want to be something uh, that is different, is transformational, um, we just went to the uh, Society of Human Resource Management conference, and our whole positioning is we are unconventional. Um, we are not the, just the next human capital management company. We think differently, we behave differently, we write our software differently, we want our clients' experience to be remarkable, or again, our people's experience to be remarkable, and so we look for people who, who feel that way. So we don't want people who are you know, tired in their career um, and are just looking for a place to level out. So you know, again, we don't discriminate on age. So if we find baby boomers who are fired up about you know, being a massive contributor, we, we love them too. Um, but we, we really look for the people who are, wanna be part of this growth, wanna be part of this journey. So a millennial who is sitting in a corporate mm -hmm. role now, mm -hmm. and they're looking to get to the next tier, mm -hmm. or they say, hey, you know what? I wanna be Gary one day. Mm -hmm. I want to be CEO of this right. company. Right. What do you suggest they should be doing right now to put themselves in a position to be able to show that type of value? Okay. Well, I think the first thing goes back to what I, what I said about um, when we do an acquisition or when we interview a person. Become an expert, become a high performer, be, become likable. That, that people want to work with you and for you someday. So, so I, look, I look for that and I, that's what I encourage people to do. And then we try to get out of their way. We look for people who think you know, I think one of the greatest compliments you can ask somebody or say to somebody is, tell me what you think about this, Chris. And I think one of the greatest insults is that to not care what hmm. they think. So we do ask people all the time, well, what do you think we should do? You know, what's the next great idea that, that, that's on the, in your mind hmm. that we should go chase? So we really try to um, tap into that, that, that young, you know, energetic, you know, huge mind, and because and they've been pumped with digital all their all their years. It's all they know, and that's the world we live in now. So um, that, that we that's one way we try to get at it. But it's the person who um, kind of embraces that. So today you're the CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, you have an opportunity throughout your career to meet other CEOs mm -hmm. of large companies, companies around the world. What does the millennial CEO look like to you in the future? Uh, and there's plenty of them in, in that, that exist today and have been you know, massively successful. Um, I, I think it's the one who thinks about value creation 
competitive advantage, um, creating something that the world needs, not just another thing. Um, you know, if you look at the great breakthrough ideas, they, you know, they, created, they created a market. They created a product that didn't exist. I mean, did we need an iPhone? Nice. Absolutely not. Can you now live without one? I, I don't mean to offend any Samsung, Android, Android users. users. We, we love but, you too. But, I, but they, they created a category. Did we need an iPad? Absolutely not. But, but now we all have an iPad, mm -hmm. or a lot of people do. So you know, we, we really think that that's a, a critical thing, is, is they you know, find that space, that gap, that difference. You know, we talk a lot about competitive advantage, and how do you, how do you create it? How do you sustain it? You know, we want people to think strategically. Which, you know, we say, how do you, how do you, what are we going to actually do to create competitive advantage, to be the choice of our, of our market, so that our clients stay with us and are loyal to us, and, and, and they clearly see that, you know, what we did to, to change their life. Now, in, in speaking of that, a um, couple of last questions here. I find the world of HR just in, in a state of flux right now, just with the amount of technology mm -hmm. that's come in, mm -hmm. the automation practices of hiring and all these other different pieces. I want to know from you, Gary, what is the future of HR? What, what do these come, where are we going with mm -hmm. HR and what mm -hmm. should people start looking at now right. as it relates to not only just the technology, but what's, what's next in HR? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think there's never been a more fantastic time than right now to be in HR. I think because the world has now accepted SaaS as a deployment model. Um, the world is looking for a multi-tenant application, which we have, which is a single code base and a, and a single database, and is looking for, especially with millennials, high engagement. Um, the, the future is, is a lot about artificial intelligence, predictive analytics, um, it's bots, that we are experimenting with right now that is software that you have a conversation with. And when you see this, your mind just expands with the possibility of the fact that you are actually talking to that software. And that software is responding to hmm. the real answer. So it's almost, like, it's almost like Alexa or Siri in the human capital management world. I think it's gonna help us um, make better selections in who you bring into the company. It's going to improve the whole process of onboarding. What makes effective onboarding? What makes it work? You know, why does, why does one employee, employee become just great in 90 days and another one is drifting along? What happened? The software, the technology in this digital world is going to, is going to tell us what that is. It's going to have predictive analytics that, that is going to push out um, alerts to people who need to know. You know, you've got an overtime problem in your Tampa office. Hmm. You've got an EEO problem in your Chicago office. Your performance in San Diego is number one in the country. And, and you don't even know it. Hmm. Uh, but it's coming to you with the stuff you need to know. Now, if you're the chief operating officer, there's things you need to know. If you're the head of HR, there's other things they need to know. So it's role-based alerts. So it's because there's so much information in the world, we can't digest it all. We have to digest the exceptions, though and figure out what's actionable, what do I have to get on top of? So I think, it's, I think it's going to empower people with a ton more information so that salary increases will be more fairly distributed. Um, the right people will, will uh, be noticed and no one's going to get lost in a career. I mean, it's, everybody's going to know everything. Maybe wow. Not, so I, I, think, I think it's a great time in human capital management technology. So lastly here, mm -hmm. I'll ask you, when it comes to succession planning, mm -hmm. when you think about your expansive career, mm -hmm. when you think about all of the people that you've met and right. all of the situations that mm -hmm. you've been in, 
tell us what are you looking for mm -hmm. in somebody that's going to replace Gary? Right. Well, for one, I look for somebody who uh, keeps the legacy alive um, so that what we have built has a future. But then I also don't want somebody who's just going to copy what we did, who is going to take it to the next level, who is going to find that next frontier and is going to innovate that technology or that way of doing a performance review differently or throw out a performance review because hmm. there's a lot of pressure on them. So hmm. I'm looking for the person who can you know, have a certain element of continuity, but then a certain element of, you know, good is not good enough. We're gonna, we're gonna go to the next level. So I think it's, I think it's that. So preserve what's worked well, but don't become uh, static. And how do, how do you recommend leaders today mm -hmm. go about building their millennial base inside of the company? What, what things should people be doing right. in order to build them up so that there is that uh, trust factor mm -hmm. there. We are having that line of communication that doesn't feel like it's them versus us. Mm -hmm. What kind of best practices would you suggest people do to bring up that tier of leadership? I think you have to get them emotionally enrolled in your vision and your purpose and your values. I think you have to have tremendous congruity that you actually live your values. It's not a brochure. It's who you actually are. It's how an outsider would describe you. And I think you have to get them in, inspired in that. In, in the old days, when I started in business, uh, that wasn't that wasn't important, and you know even corporate values felt like they were just you know fired down from above, mm -hmm. and and you didn't even know if the leaders believed in those things. So I think you clearly have to walk the talk, and as a leader, if you say this is what's important to us, then you have to show it, and because people watch what you do. One of the earliest lessons I got in management was from an ADP division president, and I was just made supervisor, and we were walking down the hall, and I was just, just a young young person. And he said to me, Gary, you need to know that when you're in management, he had a southern accent, I can't, I can't replicate <laughs> it, but he said, when you're in management, you cut a wide swath. Hmm. And that stuck with me. That was decades ago, hmm. that stuck with me. So what that says is, people are watching, people are observing, you're a leader, lead by example. Mm -hmm. Don't lead by dictate. Do it. Interesting. I know I said that was my last question, but you made right. me think of one okay. more. <laughs> so um, you've done this now for 19 times. I'm sure if there's something else fun that will come along, mm -hmm. you'll do that. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to kind of understand from you, um, ultimately, what, are, what do you desire out of your company when you're running it? What are you ultimately looking at? beyond the things that kind of keep you up at night. Mm -hmm. what, what do you ultimately desire? I think, you know, a, a lot of intellectual curiosity about what's possible, what, you, what we could do, but create something that truly has impact. It's just not another one of those. We don't want to create the next common thing. We want to create something exceptional, something extraordinary. And those are the things that kind of pull me forward. Um, so, you know, for me personally, it's, it's about creating a legacy. And, and I, want, I want people in our company to be part of that. That someday, you know, if, if we become very, very successful, they can say, I was there, hmm. I did that. Hmm. And, and I don't want it to be about me. I want them to be able to say, I was there when, and I, ha and I played a role and I had an impact. And one of my uh, goals in management is, is I want people to say, when I worked with Gary Trainer, I did my best work. Hmm. Hmm. You talked about rules mm -hmm. and we talked about success. Mm -hmm. Tell me about dad's rules. Tell us a little okay. bit about okay. that. Well, uh, that's a great question. Years ago when my, when my son and my daughter graduated from college, 
I created a set of rules and guidelines that I, and I, well, I call them dad's rules for success. And then I put in parentheses, they're probably guidelines now because you're starting your career, you can do it or not. But it was, it was really things that you might say are chicken soup for the soul kind of things, but it was 40 or 50 rules that I have observed, things that I either do or learn from others or created that actually are what I would call the success factor, this, the mm -hmm. formula. And it's, um, it's a bunch of very simple things, but it's kind of like, you know, do the right thing is, is one of them. Um, it's, um, you know, find out what's the most important thing in the company and find a way to get on that. Hmm. Um, find out how the company measures success and get aligned with that. Identify what are the biggest problems in the company that have to be solved and sign up for that. It may seem risky in the beginning and some people will shy away from it, but uh, you are golden if you're part of turning that thing around. That's right. Um, so it's, it's a lot of principles like that, you know, um, you know, don't ever, don't ever complain about the workload. Um, look, carry more water than everybody else. Uh, <laughs> it's things like that. But nice. that uh, collectively, I think, um, if if somebody does that, and I, um, my children both have very successful careers, and I'd like to say, to a certain extent, they're they're living it. Nice. Well, Gary, thank you so much oh, for being us, with us today. My pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do in the future and okay. the next millennial that takes over Gary's okay. spot. Okay. Thank Excellent. you so much. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.